So this morning we continue with our study of the book of Philippians and uh, I encourage us to open our hearts and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to do that which he needs to do in and through us this morning. This is a, has been a wonderful time as we've been looking at this book. God has certainly encouraged us and challenged us in many ways. And I'm thankful for that because, man, as I bring the word, um, it's not just necessarily to, to encourage you only and to challenge you in some ways, but it's also for me. It certainly starts with me. So we'll, we'll continue. So we look at... Um, the understanding of, of chapter 2, the overall theme, is um, unity. Paul has been encouraging the Philippians. The, uh, to, he has been calling them towards this thing about unity for various reasons. But today's title is uh, Light in the Darkness. Philippians 2, verse 14 through to 16. Light in the darkness. But the theme of the week based on today's particular scripture is do everything without grumbling. So let's uh, turn to chapter 2, verse 14 through to 16. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 through to 16. And this is what it says. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Among you shine as lights in the world. Verse 16. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Another translation puts it this way. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Verse 16. As you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. So two weeks ago we looked at um, this the scripture verse 12 through to 13. We looked at it and discussed it and we asked ourselves this question. What does it mean to work out our salvation in fear and trembling? It's a scripture, famous scripture in the, in the, in the Christian circle that we, we quote. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And we asked the question, what does it mean? Well, we learned it, it means, number one, we are to actually take responsibility for our own lives. Number two, we must not get too dependent on pastoral care. And I put a disclaimer there. I said I'm not trying to get away. 
Number three, based on number two, is that we must learn to lean on God's pastoral care more than anything else. Why? Because of what verse 13 says. That um, God is at work in us for His good purpose. Because both divine enablement and human responsibility are involved in getting God's um, work done in us. So it's not a case of just let's wait for God to come and we just kind of just hang in there. There's a work that we need to do. But we do it in fear and trembling. But the confidence is actually as we are working it out, it's actually God in us who's actually helping us work it out. It's Him who's given us the desire and it is Him who's given us the ability to work it out for His good purpose. So today we move to verse um, 14 through to 16 as I read earlier, which brings to a conclusion the section that began in um, chapter 1. Paul has asked his friends in, in Philippi for steadfastness. And unity. He has pointed them to lowliness of Jesus, Jesus' attitude whilst he was on this earth, and asked them to work out their salvation. Now he comes to some practical details applying what he has been saying to them. You know, the Bible speaks about many things. We, we read and um, often my, my, my question is, some of these things sound good. They sound like great ideas. And I agree they are. But how do they, how are they, um, how do they work themselves in my life, in our lives, practically? How do they work themselves out? So this is the question I always kind of have in the back of my mind when I'm looking at the Word of God. You know, like, like that scripture, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Okay, what does it mean? And how does it actually work through um, my life? So have that question in the back of your mind if, if it's okay. Just how does it work out? How does it look like? What does God want? How does he want our lives to look like here for his glory? For our benefit, but for his glory. But before we carry on, I, I just ask that you put yourself, imagine yourself being the church in Philippi. Imagine Paul, I'm not Paul, but imagine Paul is writing to you, the church, and he's telling you these things. He's writing these things to encourage us, the church. Put yourself in those shoes. How did they feel? What was happening? What was going on? Imagine you were there and Paul was writing to you then. So have that picture in your mind. So we are in Philippi, in Kilani, Houghton. Uh, Paul is writing to us, the Holy Spirit is writing to us and speaking to us through this writing that Paul did, uh, that wrote um, the Word of God. And he's trying to encourage us in certain, way, in certain ways. He's trying to point something to us. He's trying to tell us something that he needs us to work through, as it were. And so as we look at um, this particular verse, 
we need to realize, number one, that Paul begins this, uh, this particular passage with a word of exhortation. He says, as you have obeyed me, Paul, he says to them, he says to us, the Holy Spirit says, as you have obeyed me all these years, as you continue to work out your salvation, you are to, verse 14, do all things without grumbling or arguing. As I said, another translation says uh, disputing. So he starts off by saying, do all things. Dear friends, let's do all things. And you see, the Greek places emphasis upon the word all. Everything a believer does, he or she should do without complaining or disputing. No exceptions. How easy is it for us to, to do that? Everything we do, we have to do without grumbling, without disputing, without complaining. They are to be like, sorry, they are not to be like the Israelites who grumbled against Moses and against God in Exodus. Grumbling is the expression of a discontented and resentful spirit. They are to trust in the sovereignty of God and control their tongues so that they do not express their resentment in this way. Paul forbids them from arguing. It's a strong word. He tells them, please don't argue. Stop it. Stop it. Don't have the spirit of argument within the church. Within the church. Why? Why would Paul say that? Why would Paul encourage um, his friends not to be like uh, that way? Why would the Holy Spirit tell us this morning not to be that way? Well, because simply said, grumbling is a bad attitude. Grumbling and complaining seemed to be the thing that the church was up, uh, they liked. The Israelites were doing this. I mean, they, they, they were being led and all they did, because things were not working out the way they maybe expected it, so they started to complain. They st- started to, to um, <laughs> grumble. They, they were just not happy. And how often are we like that? We're just not happy. Things don't work out the way I expect them to work. I'm not happy. I forget things did work out the way that it works out well for me up until this point, it's not working out that I see it, it's supposed to, then I start complaining. These were the people of God. They loved to murmur against their leadership. They muttered, complained, criticized, griped, and harped against Moses. Can you imagine how Moses must have felt? Can you imagine all these people that he's leading and things are working? Oh, no, things are hard now. And, and, you know, can you imagine how he must have uh, felt? Probably one of the best examples. I see their, their parents here by one couple. Um, but parents know what this means. 
You ask your children to do something and they give a little lip. <laughs> give a little lip. <laughs> Those who are not parents are probably, you did it yourself, I'm sure. Yet believers sometimes do the very same thing. They give lip service to God with their discontent about their lot in life. How many of us have done that? How many of us actually have complained, God, why is my life like this? I don't like this. I didn't, uh, I'm your child. Things shouldn't be the way they, they, they are. I should be well. I should be rolling, whatever the case might be. How many of us fall into that trap? Because we're discontent with the, the, the lot that God has allowed for us to have in our lives. Some Christians are perpetually unhappy. Ever met those Christians? They're forever unhappy. Nothing pleases some people. Everything is wrong. Nothing is right. Ever met those people? I'm not making that up. There are people like that. There are Christians like that. All their fingers are thumbs in some ways. They are on the negative side of every positive question and the positive side of every negative question. They are born inside out, as it were. They love misery. <laughs> they do. Some people love misery. Some people lo love gossip. Some people just love to be in the center of stuff, which is unhealthy. And this attitude, the trouble with it, is quite contagious. It's quite contagious. I mean, if one person is miserable and we're complaining about life, and our country, and this and that, one person can cause the whole environment to be miserable. We all, we, we jump on. Oh, this load shedding. <laughs> and then you add your two cent to it, and so forth. And we all just, they make everyone else miserable. So I come with my misery, I come with my attitude, and you are not supposed to be, you are happy. But I come with my attitude and I make you unhappy. Because of my attitude. Some people love to debate. They love to argue. I wonder if this is what was happening in Philippa, Paul's writing to the church, encouraging them, please don't do, do not, do not um, dispute, do not argue, do not complain, do not murmur. Why would he have the need to write such things to the church in Philippa? We're not de he wasn't dealing with the unchurched, unregenerated people. He was dealing with people who were saved. So the Holy Spirit would be dealing with us this morning, saying, Let's not do things in a way that causes us to complain. Let's not do things in a way that we are just unhappy about life. Yes, life happens. Have you ever heard of that statement? Life happens. Yes, life does happen. But we have more reason to be thankful 
Because when life happens, well then God has the opportunity to be lifted up. Because when something goes wrong, I can stand up and say, God, I don't understand why this has gone wrong. But guess what? I I've seen your track record. I've seen how good you have been, how you've come through. This is not going to change. It's not going to persuade me to think differently of you. It's not going to. So we have to look back and see what God has done. His track record. It encourages us not to be grumpy. It encourages us not to be miserable. How often do we, are we in an in environment where people are you know, speaking? And um, uh, of course, I think that the topic of the day is this thing about load shedding. Um, or perhaps the, the, the crime in our country. Or perhaps the um, state of, of um, the government in our, in our province. And I mean, there's a, there's a what, what do they call it? Semi-migration. Everyone is moving to Cape Town. <laughs> but they're moving to Cape Town because they think it's better, perhaps. They see, I don't know, they, they just are not happy here because things are not working out. They'll go to Cape Town and guess what? Eventually things will also end up being not, not cool. Something is not going to work out. They won't be happy. Things might work out and then something will... Is it, is it saying tick them off in, uh, in church a bad thing? Something will not help them. They'll, they'll be unhappy. Then they'll be like, okay, well, cool. But I'm moving to Ireland. Because everything works there. And the comes. <laughs> Except for the weather. There's always something. We just, there's always something. There's, we're always looking for more. Now, Hanuk and Marisa, I'm not saying you move into Cape Town because you hate Joburg. If God has said it, you need to do it. But Paul is encouraging his friends to live out this Christian life in a way that honors God, in a way that honors one another. We're not, you know, poking and, and stabbing each other the whole time because of my pride or my way, or my way is better than your way. He's encouraging them in, in that way. See, some people love to hear themselves talk. Self-pity is behind all complaining and uh, any argumentative attitudes. This is usually self-pity that is based on an exaggerated opinion of oneself. The trouble is, our ego is hurt by a lack of recognition and appreciation for the real us. But the real us is a complainer. The real us is grumpy. The real us is one who's always wanting to, to argue and to fight the whole time. But because we're not, our egos are not stroked, we, we get all apprehensive. But you don't realize the real you is the reason why people want to stay away from you. Can I ask you that you consider in all honesty... And ask yourself, if these things that I've described applies to you. Yes, we Christians are, we holy, 
if we kind of walk on, on clouds, uh, I understand. Let's get down to earth and actually apply. Do those things apply to you? And they might apply to you sometimes. It doesn't mean that it's constant. Do they apply to you? And when they do apply to you, how do you handle those things? How do you handle those things? Are you one who is grumbling the whole time? Complaining the whole time? Are you, the, are you one who's forever trying to find a solution to encourage people, to encourage your, even yourself in these situations? So Paul begins by a word of, an, of exhortation. Secondly, Paul says there's an aim that they are to have in this. He doesn't say don't do these things just because you mustn't do them. He says there's a, there's a reason why you mustn't do them. He says do all things without arguing. And in verse 15 he says so that you may become blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and per, um, perverse generation among whom you shine like stars in the universe. And then verse 16, as you hold out the word of life. So, so that you may be, the reason why you mustn't dispute and argue and be a complainer and be the negative person is so that you may become blameless and innocent. Blameless here means without being easily able to be criticized. It is not absolute sinlessness, but it is having a good conscience before God. And I love that. Because you can criticize me. Others can, we can criticize each other. But if your conscience is right before God, that is what counts. And I tell you what, if it is right before God, it will end up being right in front of each other. It is having every area of our life basically right as far as it depends on us, on you. It's not perfect. We will never have our lives completely uh, perfect. But as far as it depends on you, with your actions, how you live this life, it is standing before God in your conscience is clear before God. I'll share a quick story um, so I've been doing this work and uh, this company that I've been dealing with, have, um, they are in some ways very slow in playing their part. So they're very quick to, to ask me to do stuff. Do it now, now. But when I want you to give me an order number or to give me what you need to give me so I can do the work, they are very slow in, in, in doing that. And so yesterday, I, was, uh, I had to quote, and I thought to myself, actually, I, I got, sorry, let me just backtrack. I got a job, they gave me a job, and then I did the job, and I have to quote for the job. And remember, I've done it. Before, uh, generally, you would, uh, you know, they would ask you to quote, then you get the job, then you, do the, uh, then you do the job. This time, they've given me the job, they didn't ask me to quote, uh, thank goodness, because of maybe my track record, and... They said, do it. 
and I need to quote them. But in my head, I'm thinking, this is an opportunity. <laughs> this is my opportunity. These guys are not kind to me when it comes to when I want stuff, when I want them to play their part. Maybe I should not double charge them, but maybe I should go a little bit higher than my, the usual that, I, that I, I would charge because I know I'm going to wait. And guess what? I wait. I still have to pay suppliers. There's still bills to be paid. So they, 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 and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make my suppliers wait. I'm not going to, the ripple effect, I'm going to cut it. And I decided, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put an extra 20%, for instance. I'm going to put an extra just to cover myself. And then... <laughs> and here I find myself preparing for this morning. And this came up, I thought, ooh. <laughs> uh, I can't do that. My conscience wasn't clear. Before God, I was not. But then, you know what happens? That comes. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. And then you start reasoning. You start arguing and saying, oh, but man, these guys don't play the part. They, they, it's only fair. God, if I stand before you and I can say, I've played my part, they're not playing their part. Surely I can be justified in my, in my thinking. And I just had to repent and say, Father, I'm sorry. You have, my conscience wasn't right. Uh, you know, you, you, brought, you brought me back. Brought me back to what pleases you. So then I had to ask myself, does my action actually please God? And the answer was no. So then I went back and then I quoted them the correct price, regardless of how or whatever happens and how they, they treat me. And the rest God will, will sort out. But I, uh, that's a hard thing. It's a, especially, I think uh, Duncan, you and I had spoken about this, but in business it's hard. It's hard. It's hard when you're playing the part and people are not playing their part. But the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. So as far as it depends on you, let us make every effort to be right before God in the small things and in the big things. Blameless here means above reproach. As I said earlier, it doesn't mean sinless perfection. It connotes or it, it points to freedom from criticism. This means freedom from criticism from others. If you had to look at yourself, are people criticizing you? Do they have reason to criticize you? These Philippians, these uh, friends of Paul are to be innocent, not guilty of any complaints that would that um, that the world might want to make against them. They are to be children of God, people who represent their Father. As such, they must be without blemish, without wrinkle, without spot. 
not having some obvious character flaw or misbehavior which damages the reputation of God. Now going back to my story, and I, I thought about it later, I thought, had this company, regardless of how they treat me, if they had to call me in and say, but Joe, I'm looking at your quotations over the years, it's consistent and there's been a blip. What, what happened here? How do you explain this? And there I can sit and start saying, oh, you guys, because of this, this and that, the, you caused this thing to go up. <laughs> it was you. But at this point, I can actually, if they call me in, I can sit and say, it's consistent. It's consistent. However, can I say something? You want me to do work for you. You want me to be there. You want me to do my best, but you don't help me to do that. Please play your part. I can confidently say that. Not having to say, oh, I'm fighting and arguing and saying, oh, you guys don't do this and, do, and this is what I did this. Having to justify my action. I don't need to justify my action. God will justify my actions. I think uh, for the sake of time, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll continue with, there's more to be said. There's more to be said. There's more to be said. But I'll leave, it, I'll leave with this question. Are you one who is quick to be argumentative? When I look at you, do I describe you as, oh man, I've got to go see Jamie. I've got to sp- Here we go again. Or do I say, hey, I'm going to go spend time with Jamie. He's such a, is a breath of fresh air. Fresh of breath. Breath of fresh air. I walk out of the, our, our meeting, our togetherness, with such encouragement. I go there, maybe down, my head down, and I walk out of there with my head up. Because he's such an encourager. I desire for that to be me, my life. That when you are with me, uh, that you leave my presence being encouraged, being pumped up. Maybe it's a, a more amped word for today. Pumped up! Not uh, out of emotionalism, but because of the realities of what Jesus Christ has done for you and for us. Is that okay? Father, thank you. But you're on the throne. I thank you, Father, that you give us your holy word, Father, and you teach us how to apply it. And as we apply it, Father, sometimes difficult as it is, Father, we know that there's benefits to it. We look at the track record, we look at our past, and we say, God, we have been faithful, and you will continue being faithful, Father. Help us, Father, to be Ones who are obedient, God. Not to, to be ones who are argumentative, ones who are uh, grumbling, God. Ones who complain. Forgive us where we've done that. And we ask you, Lord, to help us to be those who shine your light in a, dark, in a darkened world.
for your glory. In Jesus' strong and mighty name I pray. Amen.